2 Timothy 2.15, shall we read it together? Reading, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all pray. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we bow before you, giving you thanks for this very wonderful day, the Lord's day, the best day of the week. We gather to ask for your cleansing and washing in the blood of our Saviour. And Father, we pray that you would use your Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds, grant to us understanding, and grant to us convictions to obey your Holy Word. So be in our, be in our midst to bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's do a quick revision. I think last week it was not very clear. So what is the Bible? What is the Bible? The Bible is, first, God's Word, all right? It's not the words of men. It's not the word of historians. It's God's Word. So every time you look at the Bible, you must see every single word, every single alphabet, there is actually God's Word, all right? So number one is God's Word. Then it is inerrant, all right, infallible. Inerrant means there are no mistakes. Infallible means it cannot make mistakes. So there cannot be a case where you say, well, the Bible has contradictions. Because it's infallible, it cannot make mistakes. Because it's God's word. God is perfect. It's inerrant means there is nothing in there that is ever wrong. Whatever the world says, no matter what the world believes, and even your own eyes and your own experience of life tells you, but as long as it contradicts God's word, which is without error, then you have to take God's word as authority, all right? It's without mistakes. It cannot be wrong. Now then, you must remember that it is inspired, all right? That is why it's God's word. Not given my men the will of men, Peter says. But the inspiration must be clear. It's divinely inspired. Why is it important? Because today, through textual criticism, higher criticism, man decides what God's word is supposed to be. Right? So, but it's divinely inspired. It's not for men to decide. Divinely inspired, but it's no use if it is lost, which many claim today. You read Bibles that have blanks, all right? Because they say, oh, this part is lost. We never know what it is. So we don't know what it is. Because they don't believe it is preserved, all right? But what is this preservation about? It's perfectly preserved. Remember the two adjectives, divinely inspired, perfectly preserved. God promised that not one single jot or tittle will pass away, meaning to say not a sing the smallest alphabet in the Hebrew language. The smallest alphabet will not be, will not be lost. It will be preserved, all right? But that is why this preservation is perfectly preserved by God, all right? Not by men. Today, men are still arguing and deciding what words should be in the Bible, but it's preserved by God, right? So we've studied some of this. We'll study more of that later on. Now, and it is for us. For us. Why for us? Because they, many interpret the word of God, say it's divine, it's heaven and earth shall pass away, but 
My word shall never pass away. He said, God's word is preserved in heaven. Men do not have it. Only God knows the exact words. But not, it is for us today. All right? By the way, all this definition that you memorized, we studied it, they're all based on scriptures. There are Bible verses to support it. All right? By God, what? Through all ages. Not we used to have it, and now men don't have it anymore. All right? So this is an important memorization of what God's Word is. It gives you conviction, it gives you assurance, and above all, having conviction and assurance, then therefore we live by it, not by the whims and fancies of the world or even your own experiences. All right? So that is why we memorize what is the Bible. Now, since the Bible is this, then look at your BBK books. God hence tells us, study, study it, study it. We saw last week, study, this word is not just, well, cursory reading, which most of us tend to do. It's not uh, when you feel like it, when you're in trouble, then you need help, you're in good mood, so you read it at Christmas. No, study, this word is with every effort. In fact, the word means labor. Labor in your study is to the point of perspiring, to the point where you're very tired. All right, this, this, this labor is you are exhausted. Exhausted from work, exhausted from being a mother at home, exhausted from the troubles of life, exhausted by health issues. But God says even in that exhaustion, you study. And as you study, you find that there is so much, so much homework to do. Dig his word, homework. Bible college studies homework, um, um, homework from um, um, your own Bible reading, and so on. So even that alone is, there's so much that I'm doing already. I'm exhausted. But God says, yes, that is exactly how we should have the Word of God in our lives. So Christians, do not um, feel discouraged if you find that I'm already so busy in life and all these things, all these causes and coming to church to study God's Word, and at home doing homework. God says, yes, that's exactly you're in the right place. That's exactly how your life should be. Now, parents, you expect your child who is in school to be like that. You tell them, why are you so lazy? You mean just read a bit and you're, you're done? You better study. They come out to take a drink. What are you doing? Trying to be lazy, go study. Now we have the expectation on our children to, well, you're a student. You should be serious. You should put in effort. How much more the word of life, when the word of God is this, how much more important it is for us, each one of us, to realize its importance and therefore study that way. All right? So that is what we learned last week. In other words, after you get saved, remember this is basic Bible knowledge. The basic knowledge that the Christian must have is this. There must be changes in my life. It's just like a student who now enters school, the next grade in school, enters university. You know that changes must occur in order for you to know your work well you need to now integrate certain routines in your life. You need to change priorities. 
Not that other things are not important, but now you know, I must make certain changes. Expect that. Expect that. So if you've been a Christian for a long time and you find that actually my life cannot be characterized by this word study when it comes to the Word of God, it's time to make changes. It's basic, all right? So labor intensely. And this study is, is a command that is in the ongoing tense. It means it is not, well, when I'm young or when I retire. It's something that's ongoing for your entire life. The moment you are saved till the moment you take your last breath, as long as you can study the Word of God, that should be the intensity in our lives till we die. So have this image, this image in our minds now. Don't aim to have a carefree life. Well, I just attended Sunday, one message. Listen, that's good enough for the rest of the week. Don't even think that, well, coming for Bible studies in church, um, doing your homework, taking FEBC courses. Well, I'll do this um, when I am having my holidays, school holidays, or when I'm retired. You know, it's something that must be an endeavor in our lives till we die. Will you make that change? It's basic Christian living. That is what God's Word says. Study. Now, next one. Look at your BBK books, page 152. Now, look at the center passage. Think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is someone that God gave so much understanding of his word, wisdom, used him to pen the most books in the Bible. But I want you to notice what Paul says about himself when it comes to knowing God, his word. Look at Philippians 3, 8 to 14. Now he says, I count all things but loss. For what? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For knowing God, I am willing to give up anything. Now Paul is not saying we don't do anything in life. But Paul is saying that anything that will get in the way, he would rather choose knowing God. We must not choose for ourselves, for our children, um, to get better grades and sacrifice, sacrifice the study of God's Word. You know, don't have to go to church so often. There are parents who believe that. Grandparents, likewise. You, you don't have to. You already go to church. Why must you take FEBC courses as well? You know, it will affect your grades. Now, I'm not saying that you don't aim to have good grades to glorify God. But look, Paul says all his achievements, he said they are compared to the knowledge of Christ, dung, dung. That is how we must view God's word. Then we will study it. Now, next one. Then he says that I may know him. You see? That I may know Christ. What is our aim in life? To have very good grades, to have great achievements at work so that people know us. But it's about I know him. We reminded ourselves in last Sunday's message, I think, when you study God's Word, don't study to know how to navigate through life. Don't study to know how to solve your problems in life. Not that God's Word does not guide us in that, but learn to be like Paul. You study to know God. In fact, the more you know God, 
the more you will know how to think about life's problems, manage your situations. Knowing God is what will guide you. Because once you know God, you know His character, then you know in every situation, how should I behave? Once you know God, you know His power, you know His, um, His, His all, um, His all-knowing wisdom, then you learn to trust Him, right? So knowing God is what you aim at when you study God's Word, when you do your devotion, when you read the Bible. Say, God, I want to know more about you. When you read an event in the Bible, how God solved the problem, don't think about how God will solve your problem, but think about how glorious and how wonderful, how amazing, how omnipotent God is and how man is so helpless and useless without Him. Study to know God. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Then the Word of God is given for us to know how to glorify Him, not just to solve our life's problem, all right? So study to know Him. Then look at what he says next. Not as though I've already attained or either... or either were already perfect, not as though I've already attained. Come on, Paul. Paul who wrote so many epistles, who's, who got used to write so many doctrines, great and deep doctrines about God. But Paul says, not as though I've already attained. I think even for us, no matter how hard we study, we will be nowhere close to Paul's knowledge of God. But yet he said, I've not attained. But many of us feel, I've attained already. I told you I shared many times this. I was trying to encourage an elderly couple who's no longer in our church, unfortunately, to come for Bible studies. And the man said, you know how long I've been a Christian? Young man, you know, far longer than you. And he says, I've known, I know everything already. There's nothing for me to learn anymore. Now, you think that we are anywhere close to the Apostle Paul. Nowhere close, but Paul says, oh, it's not enough, not enough, not enough. That must be the hunger, all right, in the believer. Then he says, not, I count not myself to have apprehended. He says, I don't count myself as someone who has apprehended Christ, who know him, who know how to live for him. I don't count myself someone like that, but he is one of the greatest apostles probably next to the Lord Jesus Christ, probably one of the greatest men to live on earth in terms of his life for Christ, living for Christ, serving him, knowing him. But he said, I've not apprehended. All right, now I hope that this very basic knowledge would now stir us to say, Lord, I am so far from this. I am nothing like Paul. Lord, help me, help me. Now, at the end of the day, for what? Now we see the second point. So we, we study, we learn the word study. Now I say to show thyself, to show thyself. Point number two. What does it mean to show thyself? Our aim is for personal growth. It is about ourselves. To show yourself. Now I'm not saying, which we'll see afterwards, studying the word of God is for ourselves. Um, goals, ours to achieve our self-aims, our self, um, selfish desires. Now, for ourselves, meaning to say for personal growth. Studying the Word of God is not for hate knowledge. It is 
to show myself, meaning to, to have personal growth. There is something in me that I know, right? I am applying to myself. Many come to church, take Bible college lessons, well, mainly to um, show to others how much knowledge we have. Now, if that is a spirit in us, we must change. Always study God's Word without thinking, yeah, I think this verse applies to that. my parents, or to my children, or to my relatives, to my friend, to someone else in church. But God says, well, you pour effort inside the Word of God to show yourself, to feed yourself, that you may grow. Before you can serve, before you can help others, you and I must first and foremost be grounded in the Word of God. Otherwise, we will give Wrong advice, all right? We'll come to that afterwards. So studying is to help us be more like Christ. Look at ourselves, use God's word and look at ourselves like a mirror, all right? Lord, show me more of myself. Lord, what must I change? Every time you do your devotion, God, show me my sinfulness. God, show me how can I love you more? How can I, what are the things I need to change? Now, if you... Turn to, well, Hebrews 4.12. I'll just read to you. You know this verse, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What is God saying? Sharper than two-edged sword. Now, this is not what most people think. Sharper than two-edged sword means it cuts both ways. Well, Maybe the world use it as a meaning, but here, specifically the context is about piercing. Piercing and dividing asunder your heart intent. Meaning to say it is very sharp. That is the point. Double-edged sword. Back then when they fight, some they use single-edged sword, and then over time they realize, well, double-edged, when you pierce, it goes right through the person quickly compared to a single side where the other side is blunt. Now the point is this, to show ourselves Asking God, Lord, show me, divide asunder, divide, discern my thoughts and my intent of my heart. Right? So the Christian must use God's word to do that. Don't study God's word without thinking, in other words. Meditate. How you must have time every day to meditate. Now, furthermore, there's a reminder that is in your BBK book. The word of God, beside being a sword, it is milk and meat. Milk and meat. Without the word of God, we will, have, we will be stunted. Yes, we may be saved. We may be saved. But like Paul um, rebuked the Corinthian Christian in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Like, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians, oh, sorry, chapter 3. Yes, now, chapter 3, now he says in verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet 
now are able, for ye are yet carnal. All right? Now, what is Paul saying? See, you've been a Christian for some time, but I still cannot feed you meat. I still need to feed you milk. Because if I were to feed you meat, number one, you will not understand. Well, when we don't study the Word of God, precept upon precept. Ah, I know, I know. And then we don't come for Bible study. Ah, all these basic things. But you must understand, it's the basic things that enable you to understand the deeper things. That is why BBK is important. Number one, you do not understand. Ah, I cannot understand. You know, many people, when they first get saved, or, or they say, I, I don't understand. Say, don't worry. No? Some parts are meat, some parts are milk. They say, some parts I understand. So, Christian, that is how the Word of God is. Don't be discouraged if you find that you cannot understand. In fact, you should be stirred. I still don't understand many of these things. Well, I must keep going. And that is how you begin to understand more, right? And sometimes people who have been a Christian for a long time say, ah, I still don't understand these things. Why? Because Paul says, I fed you with milk, right? You never grew into meat. You never come and start to eat some of the solids. So you say, there's this problem. Now, number one, don't, do not understand. Number two, it also means you cannot accept. You cannot accept. That is what it means. You have not grown. You have not grown in the word, in spirituality. And therefore, when you hear something, for example, things that you keep hearing from the world, this is right, this is right, this is right. Then one day you hear from the Bible, no, this is wrong. Whether it's a lifestyle, whether it's the, about family, whether parenting or singlehood, whatever it is then you suddenly feel that, oh, I cannot accept this. No, this cannot be. So that is the problem. And you hear testimonies of those who keep coming. You say, oh, this is difficult to swallow. But they humbly say, well, Lord, it is from your word. Let me, let me listen carefully. Let me see it from your God's word. The moment they start to grow and they say they see it, they begin to change. That is how you show yourself approved. That is how you begin to grow. All right? So Christian... When it is in God's word, take it in. Now he says, you are as babes. I could not speak unto you as, as unto spiritual. You're still carnal. So fleshly in your thinking and desires that if I tell you something that is, that is holy, you will resist it. That is how it is. So when we don't study, we cannot show ourselves to have personal growth spiritually. All right? We still remain carnal. We resist. Now, I recently preached some hard messages about living for God. Some of the things that I talk about may not be things that Christians like to hear, how we ought to plan our lives and so on. Now, sometimes when people leave, it's because they are still babes in Christ, although they are long in Christ, still carnal. So they, they do not want to live as how God wants them to live, in living or in death. Then they rather go listen to something else, all right? So this is the reminder, the reminder. We only grow if we study. I always have this picture in my mind. Many of us, Outwardly, we may dress very, um, very maturely and we are actually old already. But actually, when we take a spiritual 
X-ray, spiritual X-ray, not physical X-ray. A spiritual X-ray, the X-ray will come up. Many of us maybe just still look like a baby in diapers, right? In diapers. That's what Paul is saying here. You are still babes. So, now especially for the seniors, this is your last leg on earth. You must grow spiritually. You do not want to meet God like still a babe, right? Now, quickly moving on. Those that do not eat, do not drink, you will suffer malnutrition. Malnutrition. That is what Paul means when he says you are still carnal. Malnutrition. And I said many times, the only babe that does not want milk, every babe desire milk. The moment they're born, they will scream for milk. All right? But a babe that does not means the babe is sick. That is the only reason why a babe does not desire milk. For the adult, for the spiritual man, it means this. We are sick, spiritually sick. We do not have desire for the Word of God because our desire, we have been fed with so many things of the world. We are spiritually backslided, sick. That is why the Word of God is not desirable to us. We have no craving for it. So now, we must examine our hearts. Why do I not like to study? You know, a student that is a healthy student, you see they love to do their homework. They love to study because that is what they love. But a child that is engrossed with computer games, engrossed with um, friends, engrossed with um, media, they are sick students. They do not like to do their homework. They do not like to study. So this is what it is. We are sick if we are not desiring to study like that. We must admit it, all right? God uses milk, meat, and all these babes, uses all these physical terms to help us look at ourselves and say, oh, I can relate with that. Can we relate with that? Now, so now you say, well, what's next? Verse 3, uh, point 3. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Approved unto God. Now, what is this? It's the ultimate goal. What does it mean? Approved unto God. That God will be pleased with me. In other words, your studying is, and your growth, your spiritual growth is to please God. Is to please God. In other words, study to obey. All right? Obedience pleases God. So, when we ask ourselves, well, I've been a Christian for a long time. Do, is my life pleasing to God? I've been studying the Word of God a lot. We can study a lot, but our lives does not change because we do not obey it, does not grow, and as, as a result, we don't live a life that pleases God. Approved unto God. David was a, heart, was a man after God's own heart. Why? Means whatever God wants, he wants to do for God. Never for himself. Even things that he found very difficult for him. Why must I be a king? It's so difficult. And to become a king, Saul wants to kill me. I'd rather just be a shepherd, but what's, why? But say, but God, if that is what you want, even if it's so difficult for me, I will be a king, all right? David was not hard up to be a king. Remember that, all right? He's yearning to be a king. In fact, when people say, whoa, you marry Saul's daughter, you can become king one day. He says, don't you know how difficult it is to be a king? Now, next one. So, 
approved unto God. It is not just for memorizing. Parents, when we give Sunday school memorization verse to your children, when you do family devotion and you memorize the Word of God together, always remind them and ourselves, this is not just about we got every word right. This is always about remembering it, hiding in our heart, then we obey it so that we are pleasing to God. All right? So memory verses are that. Now, next, look further. The Word of God. Well, what does it mean to be approved unto God? It means our lives are transformed. Number one, it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. Christ, God looked at His Son and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. How can we be people that are well pleasing to God? Be Christ-like. So number one, that is what it means. Study the Word of God to be Christ-like. That is why study about God, right? Not to solve problems. Number two, it is... How does studying the Word of God change you? Right? Look at your BBK books. Number one, worldly ambitions will be replaced by heavenly ones because the Word of God has a sanctifying power. Christian, know this. The Word of God is supernatural. It may be printed like a language, like a book with us, but it's supernatural. Right? Supernatural doesn't mean that the books, the pages can, can float and then you fly around in your house. Supernatural meaning it has a supernatural power. When you immerse yourself in it, pour your energy into it, it changes you. It transforms you. Many of us say, oh, I don't know why I'm not growing. The simple reason is we are not laboring in the Word of God. Supernatural. Now, it doesn't take too much to understand why, how it changes you. Worldly ambitions will be replaced by heavenly ones. Number one, carnal desires will be replaced by spiritual desires. Filthy, immoral thoughts will be replaced by pure and godly thoughts. The change is inevitable because the Spirit of God will use it to change you. There is nothing in this life that will change you like the Word of God. You know, some Christians love to serve. And that is very good. Serving does not change you. Remember that. It's the Word of God that changes you. I'm not saying serving God is not good. But if you are a Christian who is more interested in serving God, and I'm not saying that's evil, but you must be more interested in the Word of God. First, you must be transformed. Service will not make you a better Christian. In fact, without the Word of God, you will serve wrongly. You will cause problems in the church, in your own home, but you may be serving very hard, all right? So aim to study the Word. Now, look at your BBK books. It well describes. If you are someone who still loves the world, whose mind thinks like the world and wants to be like the world, and you want to change, no amount of trying on your own will change you except you keep reading, keep studying. Slowly and surely, the Holy Spirit will use His Word and begin to say, oh, this is how God thinks. You may resist initially, but it will slowly, slowly change you. I've seen this kind of change in young people, in elderly. That is so amazing. Only the Word of God can do that. You know, some churches may foolishly feel, wow, this person is backslided. Let's give this person more things to do in church, thinking that that will help the person to grow spiritually, to be interested in God's work, Word. Not true. It's the other way around. All right? Now, Quickly, back here. Carnal desires will be replaced by spiritual desires. We recently, when we preached on the series on whatsoever things are, and then one of the things 
that we strongly recommend is constantly keep the Word of God in your house, sounding. Either you're reading it, if not, leave it on in the background the moment you get up, the moment you go to bed. Listen to the Word of God. Nowadays, Bible software are so wonderful. There's a play button. You click it, and it reads the Bible to you, all right? In the car, when you're driving, do not let your mind be occupied with anything else in times where you are not doing the necessities of life, like studying, all right? Always have it streaming around you. Because when you hear, when you keep hearing, you will begin to absorb it and you begin to think. When you think about this, you have, your mind has less time and space to think about things of the world and the lust. You will become more and your mind will be transformed. Cannot tell you how many times. Sometimes in times of discouragement, sometimes in times of perplexity, sometimes in times of um, um, temptation, because either in private devotion time reading or the Word of God being just left in hearing or sermons being left in the background as I do things, the exact words that are needed to strengthen is there. So carnal, worldly, uh, sorry, carnal desires replaced by spiritual. The desires, the, what you want to do for yourself, it will be replaced, right? This is the amazing Word of God. Why do you think God personally preserve it for us because that is the power filthy immoral thoughts will be replaced by pure and godly ones young person or old or, or, or adults if you struggle with unclean thoughts and you continue to listen to the music of the world watch the the movies of the world you will never get rid of that thing that problem but when you keep exposing yourself to a spiritual environment Come to church, learn God's Word, take FEBC courses, do your DHW homework, listen to the Bible, read the Bible. The unclean thoughts goes away because if you are saved, naturally the spiritual desires will begin to increase. Now, why is it that many of us don't like to study God's Word or leave God's Word in the background or read God's Word? Because somewhere deep in us, we actually we actually want to continue in our sin. We already plan on that day we are going to do something. And we know deep in our hearts that if I put on God's word or if I do my quiet time, God is going to use his double-edged sword and pierce into me to convict me, to remind me, to show me, to, um, to embarrass me. So if I can put that sword aside, I ease my conscience when I continue to think of these things and continue to pursue certain things, right? My friends, how many of us have known Christians? The moment they put aside God's word, even in our own church, in every church, you see them get saved, they grow, they love the Lord, they want to obey the Lord. Then at a certain point, whether they face a discouragement in life that God allowed, or they get married, or have children, or become single, or have some health problems, then they begin to put aside the Word of God, come less often to study the Word. Usually those who come seldom to come to study the Word of God, usually it begins at home already. The reading of God's Word is already on the, on the downward spiral or non-existent. 
That is why there is no, no desire to come physically if you're not already reading it, if you're not reading it at home. So when you know that at home you are not reading already, you will not come. And how many of us have seen this have fallen on the wayside? They've fallen away, right? Fallen away. And before they fall away, they will resist. Resist the teachings of God. Then slowly, they will not be interested in God's things anymore. At the most, well, just cursory attendance, that is all. So friends, the only way we can be transformed. And you want to keep growing? You want to protect yourself from falling? It's only one way. Your child asks you, Mom, how can I do well in school? You know, I struggle with mathematics. What do you say as parents? Put in more effort in this subject then. But the moment you know, say, ah, I'm going to avoid it. They are only going one way. They're going to fail. Right? So, Christian, God uses all this to to remind us. The next one, needed not to be ashamed. What does it mean? Number one, when we are transformed by the Word of God, we will live a life that is very different from the world. The world will mock us. The world will snigger at you. The world will uh, persecute you. But God says you do not need to be ashamed. You live according to my Word. You do not need to be ashamed for obeying me. We studied that in First Peter, right? They will think, why are you not running with us anymore? But God says, well, we are strangers and pilgrims. Don't be ashamed. Many do not share the gospel, do not invite their friends to church, do not even want to speak the gospel in, at work. Very often it's because we are ashamed, ashamed of our faith. You know, when you know God's word very well and you know the truth about God very real, really, heaven and hell as real, you won't be ashamed. You can't stop talking. That is the first one about not being ashamed. The second one about not being ashamed is, well, when people ask you, what is the Bible? What is God? When they ask you, why do you believe in this? Why do you live like that? Many of us are unable to give a reason to them. They ask us about our faith. That's very shameful, very shameful, all right? So when you study, when you change, your life will witness for him and you will be able to answer many things that they say, I don't understand. I, I don't understand this about Christianity and about God. It's not fair. You can use the word of God to explain. Then finally, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the word of God is not for us to make into what we want it to say. Rightly dividing means you are able to compare scriptures with scriptures. You are able to, to look at context. You are able to look at um, consistency with other parts of scriptures. You, are, you will know theology. And you are able to ensure that what, how you read and understand God's word does not contradict any theology of God. Now, it also means that we must not twist God's word to suit what we want. We want to live a certain life. And then instead of rightly dividing the word of God, we divide it, we, ex we interpret it in a way that suits ourselves and our lifestyle. Rightly dividing the word of God. It is God's word, not man's word. Even if man does not agree with it, you still rightly say this is what God says. Whatever experience, whatever you know, whatever your heart feels. But this is not nice, you know, if you interpret this way. It divides Christianity. Well, if the reformers thought that way, 
and not rightly divide the word of God. Today, there is no Protestantism. Today, we will all still be in darkness of Rome. Second Peter, and then we close. He said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. I think we'll look at this verse in today's message. God says, the Bible is a more sure word of prophecy. Stop looking for visions. The instruction to the New Testament Christian is study the word, not go and ask for visions. Today, what it is, is teachers in Christian school ask the, ask the children, do you have visions? Do you have dreams? They don't ask you, do you study the Bible? Do you read the Bible? You don't have, you must ask God. That is what it is today. Christians look for vision. But Paul, what Peter here is saying, I met Christ. I heard from Christ. I lived with Christ. And in the Mount of Transformation, Transfiguration, I saw the glory of Christ. I heard the Father. And I saw the transformation of Christ. He said, but you know, Christians, the context of this verse is, you know, Christians, all those means nothing compared to having the Word of God. So Christian, that is how Peter who lived with Christ, saw the transfiguration of Christ, say, the word of God is still the best. Don't envy me and look at my life and say, but you know, Peter, you got all these experiences. Peter said, no, no, no. Before I die, I need you to know this. The word of God is the most important light in our lives. So, Christian, I hope that this one verse, very basic verse, will cause us to ask ourselves, am I doing the most basic thing that God desires of a Christian. Let us pray.